Welcome to a nonfiction story cast about people in Seattle who built churches and how they did it. I'm Cindy Safranoff. I'm the author, and this is Dedication, building the Seattle branches of Mary Baker Eddy's church, a centennial story. Episode 17, Temple of Bedford Limestone. It took a few years for First Church of Christ Scientist Seattle to complete their stone superstructure. In the first phase of construction, they completed the walls for the basement level where the Sunday school would be and constructed a temporary roof over it. Once this was done, they used the basement for their auditorium as well as their Sunday school. Besides holding their regular services there, they also held Christian science lectures, including one by William R. Rathbon. Mr. Rathbon had lived in Mary Baker Eddy's household in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. While Rathbon was in Seattle, he might have shared some of his personal stories with the members of First Church, reminiscences of his close work with their leader in the last few years of her earthly activity, of the sort included in We Knew Mary Baker Eddy, Volume 2, adding another dimension to their understanding of their leader and their tribute to her, their Temple of Bedford Limestone and New Hampshire Granite. By spring of 1914, the building was almost done. The Seattle Times published an article on the final decorating touches of the edifice in May. First Church hired Edward Joseph Holslug, a mural artist most famous for his work in the Congressional Library in Washington, D.C. Mr. Holslug had also painted a biblical mural for a Christian science church in St. Louis. The Times reported, during the past ten days, Mr. Holslug, directing his working staff, has evolved a decorative scheme ensemble for the interior of this building, so beautiful in effect, so soft in tone, and altogether harmonious, as to awaken instant admiration. One views the completed sections of the decorator's art with a sudden realization that here is, in reality, an absence of decoration as ordinarily seen, yet in its stead an expression in wonderfully soft color tones that pays compliment to the classic architecture and accentuates the beauty and dignity of the whole interior. The Seattle Times described the interior as a remarkable departure and a welcome relief as compared with the conventional and ordinary church interior. It was a common acknowledgment of the fresh, innovative approach taken for Christian science buildings, as one commentator in this period wrote, Whatever may be said of Christian science as a religion or a cure, either for or against it, there is no question that in the architecture of its church buildings, it has set an example that every denomination should follow. Scientist churches, large and small, all over the country, are not only a wide departure from the traditional church architecture, but they are most satisfying to the eye and to the sense of fitness. If Christian science does no more than reform church architecture, it will assuredly not have lived in vain. The first services in the completed edifice were set for June 7, 1914. 
Oliver C. McGilvra conducted the services as first reader. A press release for the opening of the new church was sent by Charles A. Griffith, the current chair of the board. Mr. Griffith had first applied for membership in 1907, but the examining committee recommended against admitting him because they felt he had not studied Christian science long enough. He was admitted to membership a year later, and by 1911, he was in the Christian Science Journal as a practitioner and a regular contributor of articles and poems. In his position as board chair, he played an important role in the construction of the building. The article in the Seattle Times about the opening services said that as little ostentation is desired as possible. It explained, These services will not be dedicatory, as it is not fully paid for. To pay for construction, the board, under the leadership of Griffith, had issued $80,000 in 10-year bonds, a mortgage against the property. Half of the bonds still needed buyers, the article mentioned, and they were offering an attractive 7% return backed by the property that was now worth $200,000. The building ended up costing twice their initial budget. Their building was comparable in cost to the original Mother Church in Boston. The pioneering First Church had successfully completed what Alan H. Armstrong had expressed as a hope 14 years earlier, a monumental work of architecture worthy of the city and the cause we love. They had done their best to follow the example set by Reverend Mary Baker Eddy, both in the healing practice of Christian science and also in church building. This was the first prayer in stone of the Seattle Christian scientists. Anna Friendlich wrote in her 1908 article, Church Building in Christian Science, that the first appearing of a Christian science church building in the community often provides a source of surprise and astonishment to the outside world, since no appeal to the public has been made and no pulpit chiding have heralded its coming. She continued, Inside the Christian science fold, the excitement is not less. A burst of gladness and wonder arises in every heart when the great work is finished, and this tabernacle of truth is with men. To the modest band of workers, a great miracle has been wrought, like the manna shower in the wilderness. In a letter to a branch church in Cleveland, upon completion of their edifice, Mary Baker Eddy concluded her dedicatory message. The praiseworthy success of this church and its united efforts to build an edifice in which to worship the infinite sprang from the temples erected first in the hearts of its members, the unselved love that builds without hands, eternal in the heaven of spirit. God grant that this unity remain, and that you continue to build, rebuild, adorn, and fill these spiritual temples with grace truth, life, and love. After the opening services for the Seattle Church, Griffith made it clear to the members what the next focus needed to be, using the language of a newly popular recreational activity in the Seattle area, mountaineering. In completing this structure, 
we have but reached the summit of one of the foothills on our journey onward and upward. The mountain, our real goal, is still in the distance, and other foothills are to be scaled before we will have attained the heights where we can say with Paul, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Having reached the summit of Mount Completion, we can now see clearly that the next stage of our journey is to lead us to Mount Dedication. It doesn't look far or difficult of attainment, but we should remember that between here and there lies the valley of self-denial. And we should also remember that while we may have faith, both individually and collectively, that we can reach yonder point, faith without works is dead. If we would dedicate this church, our faith should be expressed in our deeds. May we not then, each and all, with increased love for God and man, press onward until we can say conscientiously, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of rejoicing. The congregation now had its next goal, to pay off its debt. The work of the building committee was done. The membership unanimously gave their thanks to the committee in a motion, and the board expressed their appreciation in a letter. Your individual efforts, directed by the one mind, have always been put into expression to produce in the physical structure that which does in the highest way express beauty, harmony, permanence. This completed structure is a proof to us that the foundation in each individual consciousness must have been the rock, Christ Jesus. Our leader tells us that church is the structure of truth and love, whatever rests upon and proceeds from divine principle, that individually and collectively your thoughts have rested upon and proceeded from divine principle is evidenced in our church building, the structure of truth and love that you have built in each individual consciousness is externalized to us in the beautiful way that you have accomplished your work. Their new building made history. In the voluminous classic history of Seattle by Clarence B. Bagley, which was published shortly after the completion of the first church edifice, the new stone temple for Christian science was given the honor of a full-page photograph, along with a brief historical sketch, how they started in 1896 with 17 charter members, how Edward Kimball, described as a close friend of Mrs. Mary Baker G. Eddy, had drawn a large attendance when he lectured in Seattle, and how the membership had grown so rapidly that other churches had since been established. The church was described as a beautiful structure and as having a very large attendance. Attending a Christian Science church service was not the only way to see the beautiful new building. Not long after opening services, there was a well-publicized Sunday afternoon organ concert with Miss Leona Langdon, organist, and Mr. Worth Densmore, tenor soloist, free to the public its motive being to promote interest in organ music and to enable music lovers to hear the fine three-manual organ. In their own internal records, First Church was remarkably silent on any description of the building or the opening services. 
They did not overtly relish whatever praise they might have received for their edifice. What seemed to matter most to the record keepers was that after nearly 25 years of meeting in temporary locations, the members finally had a permanent home. Now they needed to keep focused on their next goal of dedicating the church. Thanks for listening to Dedication by me, Cindy Safranoff. All events and characters in this story are as true and accurate as the available sources. All opinions are mine. To support and learn more about this groundbreaking research project and read my writing, visit cindysafranoff.com.